0: Chapter 27 December 24 12.05 AM Pain, injury, and fear evaporated. Double chimes, and immediately more chimes to six, twelve, two dozen, a carillion. Soft and lovely, engulfing and comforting, spaghetti and meatballs and a cool chianti. Bringing all encompassing tranquility, long, long absent from D, imbuing her with the restorative desire of her penitence. Twenty carillons now, a hundred, numberless. That earlier wished for angelic host coming on a midnight clear, the chimes messaging, Is it so hard to love me? D trembling like a black widow's mate. I'm so ashamed, barely audible. That? I failed you. Something I said? Not in those words. What words? D pushed herself to a kneel, clasping her hands to her chest, bending her head, not to put false gods before you. And you did? The drugs. After you were free to choose? No. But I wasn't strong enough. Dean no longer making sense even to herself. A simple I'm sorry. I'm so ashamed. That I would discover something about you that I didn't already know. She not responding, the chimes continuing. I am within you and around you. Never stop reaching for me. After all you've done for me, given me, I couldn't ask for more. I count, I weigh. You, of all, thinking for me, thinking to know me, heed the words so familiar to you. Embrace the cloud of unknowing as a permanent condition. Come before me stripped of all but humility and love. You must love me stubbornly no matter what befalls you. Do not give up. Do not ever give up. Grabbing the... Nearby railing, Dee pulled herself to her feet and stepped away from the balustrade, disrobing into the winter cold, dropping her clothes on the bandstand floor. Then, clothed only in her love of God, Dee put her feet together and palms open, raised her extended arms to shoulder height, pushing them to their behind-the-back limits, so acknowledging his love beyond measure. She reached into her soul to liberate her love for God, closing her eyes and to complete her surrender to God, bowed her head. No charged auditorium needed now for illumination. She glowed from within like a hazy full moon, and no tiptoes needed now to lift her. She levitated six inches a foot two feet off the ground pinned motionless into the night air. For a full minute, she simply basked in God's love, her spirit immersed in the currents of love between herself and her Maker, each to each perfectly fulfilled, until almost against her will her dormant mind wakened, thinking, undeserving to be forgiven so easily, de-realizing her mistake a small fraction of a millisecond after forming the thought fervently wishing to retrieve it, her almost instantaneous forgive me an eternity too late, the bright joyful chimes becoming dark funer- funereal knells. Forgive yourself, the last word she heard, and on their heels six loud long dongs, followed by a fearfully evanescent, muted moment, prelude to a wail emanating from the core of Dee's soul and penetrating to the outer edges of the constantly expanding universe, a shriek so full of anguish, remorse, and plea as to be the sum prayer of all humankind for relief, and as such for the duration of that excruciating moment freezing the movement of virtually every man, woman, and child on earth. Visible only insofar as the injuries they caused, thirteen razor-sharp points simultaneously drove into D, eight large thorns crowning her skull, two six-inch nails driving through the heels of her hand, two more of those nails through her feet, and a spear boring into her side just below the ribcage. And from the nails, blood flowed rapidly down her hands and feet, and from the spear, blood gushed out of her right side to slide over her belly, thighs, and legs, all of the flows coalescing around her toes, and from there, drizzling into a viscous red puddle spreading on the gray terrazzo floor. Despite the gashes and the blood, Dee remained glowing, levitated, and immobile for an entire minute after the injuries before her feet gently set down. Her glow dimmed, but she held pose for an additional long moment, after which she eased. Returning to the reality of the bandstand, she still shared with the demon returning to a second commotion on the steps louder than the first. She dressed deliberately, bracing herself against the balustrade, blood-staining each garment as she handled it. Wobbly on her feet, she sat on the floor, her legs pulled under, heels touching her bottom, wrapping her sanguinated arms around her raised knees, on which she rested, her migraine head, delaying the con the final confrontation, instead easing into her sweet Stella's head. Seeing Philip, Stella, and Angel, he impervious, immovable, impassable, shoulder to shoulder, resisting Lieutenant Sam, Sergeant Jesse, and Colonel Coyota, they trying to access the stairs to rescue Dee hearing Stella tell the group to back off, their D fine, in real time, in Stella's head, not asking for help. That news settles the squabbles, the players returning to to their assigned positions, D withdraws. Still sitting, gathering herself, God's wrath understood, punishment meted out and endured, God's mercy shining and embraced, bleeding stopped and order restored to the rank and file. With a bit of shuffling, she adopts the classic meditative pose, sitting erect and knuckles on knees to compliment, contemplate. Deep, purposely recalls every painful memory of every, ho- of every horrible act committed by every person seduced by the demon, thoroughly marinating in the unspeakable horror of it all, that horror rubbed over all humanity. Immediacy the key, as refreshed memory fans her sense of injustice into righteous anger, the anger to fury, to white heart. And then, composed despite emotional and spiritual temperature, elevated to a tick shot of explosion, head askew and down-tilted, she pulls herself to her feet to confront the demon. facing her dark brown eyes locked his the two belligerents eye wrestling until he broke the engagement to glance to the stairs again her eyes following his again seeing nothing again except the top of the black curly locks of she wrote she refocusing on the demon stepping close enough to grab his elbow her strong fingers stretching to secure a hold at the ulna bone at the top of his powerful forearm, once closed, her grip of eyes. When he dared looked into her eyes again, she saw what she aimed for fear and pain, her overlarge fingers pulverizing his elbow bones, and then welding the random bone fragrance together, freezing his arm into a permanent L shaped. Unconditional surrender followed, conveyed by his contorted face, open mouth, and corked up breathing. She commanded, Go out. Don't come back. Pushing his elbow, forcing him to stumble several steps before gaining his balance, he taking a lateral step or two to avoid getting closer to the stairs. Rusting his elbow in his hand, Eyes looking out at her from under the lowered head of a subject, he spoke softly in a vibrating and malevolent bass. Exorcism over? Yes. You've come back, have you? Well, welcomed into where I am not allowed. Fortified, of course, yes. One with the universe now, are you? Well, I'm not put off, no speaking while locked in her terribilita, while vectoring away from a slow approaching D in front of him and from the black curly locks behind. D abruptly changed direction and stepping to the laptop, two hands picked it off the rail. She tiptoed four quick steps back towards the demon, raised the device high above her head, and hurled it at his feet, he jumping straight up into the air to avoid bruised toes, the laptop smashing on the hard floor, bursting into shards covering the fiend in a smoky haze, he impatiently waving at the gray cloud. Walk off home run, is that it? I get it. Not wanted, obviously. I'll be leaving, okay? Easy enough, give you the field. He looked around and backed at Dee. He loves you, right? Watches over you. His gnarled face a picture of hate and his voice venomous. Or I would destroy you piece by piece like pulling petals from a flower. Dee took a moment before responding, noticing the streetlights but seeing only darkness listening to the silent night, but not hearing that dropping pin, feeling the midnight cold, but herself comfortable, she fully in command, saying, he loves all of his creations. Bullshit. So what's so special about you? Sorry. Ask him. Sorry like hell? Like eternal hell, my destiny? Hell is not eternal. What do you know, you little shit? I know that God is perfect. Each of his creations will ultimately find God and also be perfect himself. And at that moment, hell will be over for him. And eventually you too will find God. Find God? As in love him? Appealing. Let's set a date, hmm. How about when hell freezes over? He'll wait. The demon released a nauseating smell, D averting her face, not her eyes. He speaking in a piercing falsetto, saying, But I have more in store for you. Pointing to her, D almost finishing the thought with, My dearie, He raised his right hand to his earlobe, to backhand her, to draw blood, to save face, to relieve frustration, to punctuate his threat, to express his hatred. But his eyes, again flitting to the stairs, he braked his blow in mid-swing, saying, Perhaps not at this precise moment, but look for me, Twat, saying, This fight isn't over yet. Not by a long shot. Standing erect, shaking his shoulders, looking around like forgetting something. Adjusting his cloak, kicking at some of the computer debris licking his lips, turning back to her saying, by the way, nice tits. Disappearing, his words spent arrows at her feet. Dee's mother running to her broke the short trance. Dee indulgent as mother grasped her shoulders, examining the multitude of raw wounds, touching only the long, thin scratch the demon sliced in her cheek, saying, Dee, you're seriously hurt. Swinging her coat over Dee's shoulders, she slipping her arms into the coat sleeves. Finger combing Dee's hair, mother whispered, Dee, look at the blood. The cuts, your eyes, you need a doctor. Looking down to see what her feet felt strange, she's standing in a puddle of blood. Yours, Dee, we've got to get you to a hospital. Stella, calling as she buttoned Dee's coat, Stella waiting her to side, saying, immediately. Dee took her mother's elbow, saying, it's all right, Mom. The bleeding stopped. None of the wounds are serious. He looked at Stella, she putting her cell away, saying softly, no change. Dee nodded, receiving her father's hug and kiss, smiling at his smile, at his saying, so happy you're safe, my dear, returning his kiss, thank you, Dad. Finally Philip's hug, so secure she faded, leaning into him, surrendering to his arm, snaked around her back, feeling his hand Tighten around her ribcage, she's simply releasing, his free arm swooping under her knees, lifting her off the ground to prevent a fall. Dee raised her head to speak and instead Stella gotcha to the hospital. Dee took the rear window seat with Stella beside her. Philip beside Stella, Lieutenant Sam at Shotgun, and Sergeant Jesse driving the wrong one way on Tremont Street, eight Boston police motorcycles leading, six Boston police cars following. After rinsing her face from the water bottle, bottle Stella provided, Dee drank some and breathed out, resting her head on Stella's shoulder. As the cars sped through the early morning streets, Denoted the first of the public celebrations, church bells. An isolated few at first, their peals soon joined by others, soon swelling into a citywide ecclesiastical tolling, the centuries old communication medium celebrating more feelingly than all the millions of technological transmissions clogging the internet, all the messages the same. D had indeed miraculously pulled mankind back from the brink. In the front seat, Lieutenant Sam speaking to his captain. Yes, it's over. Looking to D, she nodding. It's definitely over. No, I don't know how to stand down. Leave it to the chief. That's what he's paid for. Oh, sorry, chief. Didn't know. Fine. We're with her and we'll stay. I'll call as soon as D settles. How do you feel? Philip bending over bending across Stella to look at D. D. Exhausted. Woozy. Can't talk. Philip, you don't have to. None of us know what you did, but you did it. Rest now. We're almost there. The sirens' wails almost drowned out Stella's Cell-chiming text received, she reading the text and crying out in accelerating crescendo. No, 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 grabbing Dee's wrist. Dee! She's gone. Hair flying widely, dried blood from wounds around her head covering most of her face, save two obviously just wiped circles around her eyes pumping hands revealing wrist cuts surrounded by large black-purple-blue bruises, her once pristine Aunt Clara's white dress dyed fresh blood, Dee, looking herself like a too-late candidate for emergency care, flew through the police-secured lobby doors, past a blurred blue line marking her way to elevators, waiting to express her to the 16th. Stella, Philip, and Lieutenant Sam pounding on her heels, Jesse hanging to escort the others, precious seconds behind. Squeezing through the slow-opening elevator doors, bursting out, following another line of blue to and past the nurse's station where work had come to a halt, doctors, nurses, and administrators alike turning to see D all of them crying, some of them blessing themselves, several applauding, incongruous in the early morning hospital stillness. Dee's path took her past the waiting room, marked by the Billingsleys in tears, standing just outside. Dee glanced inside and spotted Fritz sitting silently by himself, hands folded on lap, head down. Dotting into the room, she grabbed Fritz's hand, pulling the little guy with her, raised hand, wadding off the Billingsleys, responding to Fritz's question, later Fritzie. Kissing his head, fast walking to Lainey's room, Isabel waiting just outside, took Fritz from D, she's saying, to my parents, Isabel nodding, and family only inside, Isabel again nodding. Dee stepped inside, immediately followed by Philip, Stella, the Billingsleys, and the three Mirabilis, Michael pulling the door to close it, prevented by the Cardinal pulling the door from the other side, sneaking in, closing the door behind him, concealing himself behind Stella's parents. Laurie Baby ru- jumped from Laurie's bed, rushing D the two squeezing so tightly that they lost balance until Stella, joining the hug, braced them. Wordless and tearless for half a minute, the three held their embraces, kitch- kissing each other's cheeks and necks. When Dee stepped away from the group toward the bed, Stella touched her arm, saying, Let me first, Dee nodding. Stella climbed on the bed, stretched out on top of Laney, head on her unmoving chest, hands cupping her cold cheeks, D's acquiescence, reassurance to the group the appropriateness of Stella's love expression, which continued for a full minute, then relinquishing the bed and body to D. She left us D, Eileen Morgan slowly and slowly moving away from the foot of her daughter's bed. D nodding not looking at her. It was awful. Through tears continuing, she asked if you were well. She asked if she would take care of Kurt, her last words. Her face full wrinkling like a crying infant's. None of us knew what Josh Morgan, putting his arm around his wife's shoulders, led her away. She whispering, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean. Josh, it's all right, my dear. Everyone understands. We're all friends. We're family. We all loved Laney. Now let's give Dee time. Dee at the foot of the bed turned to the room. Join hands, please. Pray silently together. Hey, she called softly. Sleeping Beauty. Climbing on the bed. Sitting up against the headboard. Reaching for Laney's shoulder. The girls coming to help sliding their still friend until her head rested on Dee's chest, the girl straightening her pallid, sleeveless arms and legs, pulling the covering sheet over her and Dee, sitting on the bed by their best friend's still feet. Dee's right arm clutched around Lainey's shoulders. Her left stroked her hair, saying softly to her, Oh, my dear. Tonight was so difficult without you beside me. Hugging her dear friend's head and neck tightly, looking up, taking the bottle that Laurie baby offered, D indicating she'll keep it. She drank some and set the bottle on the tray stand beside the bed, returning her hands to her dear friend's face. D sitting still, closing her eyes. Hospital se- smells the refreshed air flowing into the room, defocusing, sorting blood, waste, antiseptics, baby powder, detergent, and cafeteria food, dropping each one of them one by one into the black hole, doing the same for the sounds, the shifting, breathing, shuffling, and sniffling of the family group, and the less invasive generic hospital sounds. As effortlessly as she did the physical stimuli, Dee disposed of all thoughts until worldly connections severed. Dee's breathing slowed, slowing, slowing, until her body moved no more than her dear friend. They a match set. Afloat in an astral eternity, devoid of any physical connections or encumbrances, Dee never less expecting nor more humbled while he, his divinity rarely enriched with such unreserved love, he never more receptive, beckoning thee, welcoming her. In his presence, surrounded by the amniotics of her love of him commingled with his love for her, filled with ineffable joy and prodigious spiritual strengths, she passed into the communion of saints, into the core of a universe of radiant souls so vast as to surpass human comprehension. And although as distant from each other as the furthest reaches of the cosmos, Dee found Laney. She as near and familiar as the back of Dee's hand. They came to each other, sunlight bright, invulnerable to pain or discomfort, moving without constraint words and thoughts extraneous. They returned to their bodies in the hospital room, the two glowing as in lightning flash, startling and rising sun blinding, blinding, the one second blast of light leaving everyone in the room with a spiritually acquired residue, an aura with no expiration date, the light marking the girl's body and soul reunifications. The pair opened their eyes at the same time, Laney turning her head to look up at her, Dee bending her face to her friends until lips to lips lingering, until Jane, Laney jerking away, exclaiming, Dee, your elbow! Laney grabbing at it. You're squeezing my tit! A joyful roar exploding from the enthralled audience, everyone at once rushing for a Laney squeeze, Dee's own smile just forming when her lights turned off and her head fell back hard against the headboard.